This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi. Sponsored by St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center, Ratchford Eye Center, MD Advantage, UConn Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and the Connecticut State Medical Society. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds, a show that provides you with up-to-date medical information, and we answer all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great being on with you on this Saturday as we prepare for the holidays. You know, as we're getting ready for the holidays, we think about all the shopping we have to do, meals that have to be prepared. But today we're going to talk about self, preparing yourself for the holidays, And that means your physical self and your overall well-being. You know, the holidays are a stressful time. Uh, You've got schedules to keep up, meals to prepare, gifts to wrap. uh, And and then, you know, you've got to meet all these relatives, some of whom you like, some of whom you don't like. Um, In these trying political times, uh, you may be faced with a political controversy where someone is dug in on one candidate or the other. So we're going to talk today about how to get prepared for the holidays. So our guest in the second half of the show is going to be Dr. Saeed Hussein. Dr. Hussein is the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Trinity Health New England. And he's going to be talking about this 61-day challenge that's been going on since November 1st and what's involved and how you get yourself ready for the holidays. It's not just a weight loss thing. I don't want people thinking that it's all about weight loss. It is multidimensional. This is the second year they've done it, and it's the second year that I've signed up for it. So we're going to talk with him a little bit about the progress of that and the fact that it's not too late to learn something in the weeks before we get ready for holidays. In uh, Later in this half of the show, we're going to talk with Dr. Mark Alberts. Uh, many of you may remember him. He's been a guest on our program before. He's the physician-in-chief at the Iyer Neuroscience Institute at Hartford Hospital. He gave a wonderful Grand Rounds presentation this week that I was present for. You know, a lot of times people think, well, Grand Rounds, they're talking about this esoteric science and research. And, and we do get around to that. But the beauty of his Grand Rounds was it had some practical advice for all of us. And I did a short, as soon as it was over, I went and did a short interview with him to really get that recorded and to be able to share with all of you uh, as we get ready for these holidays. This day in medicine, December 14th, 1916, is the day Dr. Thomas Barr died. Dr. Barr was an otorhinolaryngologist, an ear, nose, and throat specialist in Scotland. And he wrote a paper on the effects of, uh, the effects upon the hearing of those who work amid noisy surroundings. So his paper, one of his papers really dealt with being around a noisy surrounding and how it affects your hearing. He also wrote another paper on the investigation into the hearing of school children. These were both landmark papers because we now know working in a noisy environment will affect your hearing. And as much as we've taken precautions, it's come around to haunt us. Why? People are using headphones 
and they turn it up. I mean, sometimes, let's face it, sometimes you'll see somebody will be in an elevator or something. They got the headphones on, and you could hear what they're listening to. So you know it has to be loud. So we're seeing early deafness because of these exposures, even those that we bring upon ourselves. I don't have to tell you about school children. Now, in the state of Connecticut, every child, uh, when they're born, is, has a hearing test. And it's important to really get on that because it could really impact a child's ability to learn. So we remember Dr. Thomas Barr um, on this day in 1916. We're going to talk about an uncomfortable topic, and that is sudden death. Uh, it's one of our great fears. And this week it came home because we heard of the death of Denise DeCenzo, the radio broadcaster who, uh, 61 years old, seemingly healthy, uh, doesn't feel well. The story is that she didn't feel well, took a nap, and didn't wake up. There are very few things that do that, and they're all vascular, meaning heart attack or stroke will do it. And you don't necessarily always know what your risk factors are for that. One risk factor, as we're going to find out from our discussion uh, with Dr. Alberts, is turning age 60. Risk factors, the ones we know about, diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, blood pressure control, things that you need to know, and regularly visiting a physician. We're trying to get to the point where we can accurately begin to predict who is at more risk, and this is very hard to do. A grand round several months ago by Dr. Amre New, uh, who will be a guest on this program, looks at statistics to try to predict stroke in individuals. So it's important to really try to control your risk factors as much as you can. And you might say, well, even if that, things can happen. But at least you did everything possible to avoid sudden death. One thing to avoid sudden death is snow shoveling. There are 11,500 injuries every year in the United States that go to an emergency department for a snow shoveling injury. So with 11,500 going to the emergency department, imagine how many are not going to the emergency department. And of those, 100 of these are fatalities. Those are usually heart attacks. People who have been sedentary, not very athletic, suddenly have to get out there and clear the driveway and die of a heart attack or a stroke. So it's important to know your limitations and be careful as we deal with snow. The other thing to keep in mind is your hand and the snowblower. Hand surgeons get very busy this time of year because of people who put their hand to free something up in a snowblower. Matter of fact, snowblowers now come with a device to get things out of there so you don't put your hand in there. I once saw a patient who actually the snowblower was off, but there was enough torque built up into the snowblower that it suddenly jerked and cut his thumb off. So if you're working with a snowblower, please be careful uh, because of the injuries overall. If you're going to go out and really exert yourself, make sure you're in some kind of shape. Otherwise, you know, splurge and, and get somebody to do it for you. The other way to try and deal with seasonal issues is the flu. We've had our third death in Connecticut this week. 
And all of these people have been over the age of 65. Important to get the flu shot. If you're over 65, you get the double dose of the flu shot. So it's important to get the injection, get the vaccine. Although this is the earliest we've seen the flu in 15 years, it will be back in March and April. And when it comes back in March and April, it will be a different strain. So some people who may have gotten infected with a strain that we were not ready for early should still get the flu shot so they're ready for it later on. With that, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back with Dr. Mark Alberts, who is the physician-in-chief at the Iyer Neuroscience Institute at Hartford Hospital. And he's going to talk a little bit about stroke and intracerebral hemorrhage. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and today I'm with Dr. Mark Alberts. Dr. Alberts is physician-in-chief at the Iyer Neuroscience Center and Neurologic Institute here at the Hartford Hospital. And uh, earlier this morning, he gave a, a phenomenal grand rounds, and really that has so much application to our listeners in relation to stroke. Mark, thanks for spending time with us. Thanks, Dr. Alessi, for having me on the show. Hey, Mark, let's, let's talk a little bit about your presentation today because it was about intracerebral hemorrhage. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what an intracerebral hemorrhage is? Yeah, well, that's a great question, Tony. An intracerebral hemorrhage is when a blood vessel, typically deep in the brain, ruptures and it produces a blood clot or bleeding into the brain. Now, this is the second most common cause of stroke but it is the most deadly type of stroke. Somewhere between 40 and 50, 50 percent of patients with an intracerebral hemorrhage are gonna die in the next 30 days. So this makes this the worst type of stroke. And as I mentioned, it's the second most common type of stroke. Mark, one of the things that stood out to me, and maybe it's because my, of my advancing age, but that is the fact that it seems like age 60 becomes a critical time where we start seeing more intracerebral hemorrhage. Um, is that true? And, and is that kind of a key landmark uh, as we age? Well, as we age, a lot of things get worse. And certainly as we age, the fragility, the brittleness of the blood vessels in the brain get worse. And when you have these brittle blood vessels in the brain, they are more prone to rupture and cause this type of stroke. And you're absolutely right. As we get older, the blood vessels also get older, and they become more likely to break and leak and bleed. One of the things that a lot of people ask, and there have been so many studies done on the use of aspirin, especially baby aspirin, to prophylax for stroke. And we have gone um, over the last 30 years, I would say, um, to using it, but more recently there have been some papers saying it leads to more intracerebral hemorrhage. Uh, should people stop taking aspirin? Is the data so firm that you shouldn't be taking aspirin for fear of intracerebral hemorrhage? So that's a great question, Tony, and you bring up a lot of good points um, it, it, by asking that question. So the issue, the, the easy answer is it depends. Right? So all of medicine, all medications are a double-edged sword. You wanna balance the risks versus the benefits. 
So should everybody be taking aspirin? Absolutely not. Should everybody be avoiding aspirin? Absolutely not. There are certain people, there are certain circumstances where folks should be taking aspirin to reduce their risk of having a stroke and reduce the risk of having a heart attack. But we know that aspirin is a blood thinner and it does slightly but definitely increase the risk of bleeding in the brain as well as bleeding in the stomach, both of which can have significant consequences. So we have to be very thoughtful and careful and evaluate, evaluate each patient's risk versus benefit profile for taking or not taking aspirin, just like we would for any other medication. In addition to aspirin, uh, one of the points you brought out very clearly is really managing all the risk factors. And one of those is blood pressure. Now, we always thought, all right, 120 over 80 is what you shoot for, but there's a lot of leeway in that. In the 140s, do you treat, don't you treat? What's a critical number people should have in mind regarding their blood pressure to really avoid intracerebral hemorrhage and stroke, the cerebrovascular complications of high blood pressure? So you bring up a very good point, Tony, because blood pressure or hypertension is the most common, most significant, but also most treatable risk factor for all types of stroke, of stroke ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke. So I would say a couple of things. Number one, the accurate measurement of that blood pressure is key because a lot of these home blood pressure kits, they either come with readings that are too high, too low, or are inaccurate. That's point number one. Point number two, people's blood pressure fluctuates. It can be way up or way down in the morning and go in a different direction in the afternoon. We call this labile hypertension. So the blood pressure needs to be accurately measured and monitored to get an accurate number to know whether it's a case where the blood pressure is too high, too low, or just right. So with that, do you recommend ambulatory blood pressure monitoring for many patients, or should that become somewhat of a standard if someone has borderline blood pressure reading? Well, you know, that's been around for a long time and people have had just some logistic issues sure. with it. What we're recommending is a couple of things. Number one, go out and buy a really good electronic automated blood pressure cuff. Not the cheapest one at Walmart, but something that would typically be 50 or 60 bucks. That's number one. Number two, take that and yourself to your local physician, do a couple readings in his or her office, and then let him or she, he or she, actually take a manual blood pressure and make sure they match up. So if it matches up, if you're getting 130 over 90 and your doc is getting 130 over 90 and the electronic machine is getting 130 over 90, then at least you know you're measuring it accurately. Then the next thing to do is to get a notebook and then two or three times a day, sit down, get calm, take your blood pressure two or three times a day, write it down, communicate it with your, your provider, your healthcare provider, and see what it is. If it's consistently 120 over 70, you're in a good zone. You know, exercise and don't drink or smoke too much, check your blood sugar, and you should be in a good, good area. However, if your blood pressure is going from 130 in the morning to 150 or 160 in the afternoon, you may very well have labile hypertension, 
and that clearly puts you at an increased risk of having both a stroke and a heart attack. In wrapping up, Mark, what would you convey to patients and, and groups of patients in the community as the key thing to do to avoid whether it be ischemic stroke or intracerebral hemorrhage? Yeah, I would say the key things, Tony, are a healthy lifestyle and knowing and addressing your risk factors. Exercising, eating healthy, avoiding smoking, avoiding illicit drugs like marijuana and cocaine are key things but getting your blood pressure checked, getting your cholesterol checked, making sure that you're not pre-diabetic are also key things. Because we know from studies that if you are aware of these risk factors and address them all, you can reduce your risk of stroke, believe it or not, by 75 or 80%. Wow. Without, without even taking aspirin. And that's what we recommend. That's what most of the world does. Wow, that's great. Mark, thank you for your time and thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. It was great talking to you and your listeners. Thing. Uh, that was my interview, uh, actually done on Thursday with Dr. Mark Alberts. Uh, just to let you know that I take these things to heart. I don't want you to think that I'm just some voice giving you advice. So after he, we were done with that interview, I actually went out and bought one of these blood pressure cuffs. Uh, the self-contained ones, got a good one, got the Omron 10 at my local CVS. I actually have a health savings account, so you could put that on your health savings account and calibrated it at home. My wife and I took our blood pressures, and then I did it by hand to make sure it was accurate. And even though it's good, I want to make sure that I have a record of it and that I'm able to present that to my primary care physician. So I think it's a great idea. It's easy to do. It's not expensive, okay, because we like these things. Easy to do, not expensive, and in the long run will keep us healthier. With that, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back with Dr. Saeed Hussein from St. Francis Hospital Medical Center. He is the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Trinity Health. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. And in this half of the program, we're going to talk to Dr. Saeed Hussein. Dr. Hussein is the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer from Trinity Health, New England. He's been on our program before, and uh, we talked last year about the 61-day challenge. Saeed, welcome back. Thank you, Dr. Alessi. Excited to be back on your show. So let's talk about it. So the, your background is one from internal medicine. Do you think, is that what got you involved? Why, how did you come up with this idea of the 61-day challenge? And now we're in the second year, am I correct? Yes, absolutely. So this was the brainchild of our regional CEO of Trinity Health of New England, Dr. Reggie Eady, along with his team, who is an obesity expert, um, where we've noticed, and there's literature out there to support this, that the holiday season is one of the most challenging times to stay healthy. And it's usually during this time that we um, adapt, you know, bad habits, pick up bad habits, overeat, don't really choose, you know, what's best for us, um, lag behind in exercises, et cetera. So, and historically, it's been the challenge to, to lose what you gain, if you will, during this uh, holiday season. So that's how it came about. You know, one of the things I found best about the program, and this is my second year of having taken the pledge, is it's it's about weight, it's about 
physical stuff, but it's also about stress management and, and mindfulness. Can you talk a little bit about the role that's played in this as we get ready for the holidays? Sure, absolutely. So it's not, like you said, it's not just what we eat or how we exercise, but how do we deal with stress and what uh, techniques and measures do we have out there to help alleviate? So what, what we do during the 61-day challenge is, we, well, towards the end of it, we would have pushed out over 100,000 daily emails. But your view, your listeners have to know that there's a practical component to this as well, as we partner with, you know, our media partner, Fox 61, and our, our valuable partnership with, with Big Y um, in terms of what, what uh, classes and sessions that the public can attend. There are over 50 uh, such sessions that are being um, conducted. Uh, and when we talk about Trinity Health, it's it's not just Saint, here. We know it as Saint Francis Hospital and Medical Center and uh, Mount Sinai Rehabilitation Hospital, but it, it's a lot more than that. I, I should have really gotten to that first. Can you talk a little bit about the scope of Trinity Health New England locally? Sure, absolutely. So Trinity Health of New England is um, has been in existence for around four years, but it's part of a larger uh, Catholic faith based system not-for-profit um, called Trinity Health, which has over 94 hospitals and countless ambulatory sites across the nation. And I'll share a personal thing with you, um, Dr. Alessi, and with your listeners is, you know, I, I joined, as you know, Trinity Health of England last year in the fall, and I've been in a for-profit, not-for-profit capacity, worked in different organizations. And one thing that really stands out with Trinity in general is the commitment to the community and their well-being. And there's actually a separate department for community health and well-being, which is just blew me away because you don't usually see that in healthcare systems. Uh, especially not in the for-profit sphere. Absolutely. Um, what also struck me when I when I kind of looked at this on the website, it's it's described as a ministry more than a, a mission to promote health care in this area. And I found that interesting to use that word ministry, because right away we think of um, preaching and people knocking on your door and trying to convert you. But hasn't healthcare really become a ministry? So that's a, that's a good question. And it's a, it's a testament to Trinity's mission and vision of, you know, a holistic approach to medicine, not just, okay, treat and release. It's about the soul. It's about everything and that's the part that really drew me and attracted me to this organization. And it's the same thing with how do we reach out to our communities? How do we engage them for better health and for their own well-being? So how is it going? What is uh, the most significant thing that's come about this year in terms of uh, what has the emphasis been on in terms of weight reduction, hydration? H how is it all? What are the nuts and bolts of the program right now? So what I do want to mention to your uh, listeners is that this is the, the 2019 challenge is step up, eat up, and drink up. So what the challenge is not, it's not about losing weight. It's not about denying anything to ourselves, especially during the important holiday season, and it's not making ourselves miserable. What it is is embracing better health, and that is creating greater awareness around the choices we make and the choices we have in front of us, it's about learning, education, and, and partnering with a team in terms of, you know, um, attending classes, sessions that are being held to educate the public on healthy eating, exercise, movement, physical activity, um, so on and so forth. 
And so how many people signed up this year? So we have, as you know, we, we're still, we're towards the end of it now, but we have uh, 2,600 people. And one thing that's different um, from last year is the community response we've received um, to date. It's been, it's been amazing. Um, and we still have a couple more weeks. So I'm still going to put in a plug for your uh, listeners out there that please go to www.NewEngland61DayChallenge.org. There are many sections there they, which may, if they have questions, they can be answered um, and would love for more folks to take the pledge. Again, it's all about healthy, um, being healthy. Well, well, I, with the same plug, I really have to tell people that now is the time to get signed up, okay? Because even if, if you haven't been, you still have time to prepare for the stress of the holiday. And, and we know that there's stress there. There's the travel, right? There's the meals, there's Uncle Frank when he shows up to dinner with his MAGA hat on, okay? So, you know, we, we've got political stress, okay? So there's a lot going on right now. And can you talk a little bit about mindfulness? And I know you mentioned that in there, but a lot of people who are not familiar with that term, uh, really what it means overall to your health and, and what is mindfulness? So it's, you know, part of it, as I see it from a physician angle, is how do you deal with stress? And how do you, you know, with all these things that you just mentioned coming at us, especially during this busy period, is how do we manage that in a way that is conducive to our health? And there are um, tactics and, and things that we can do to, to help with that. So again, you know, New England 61daychallenge.org for, for your listeners, um, I highly encourage people to sign up. All right, we're going to take a short break. Uh, I'm chatting with Dr. Saeed Hussein, who is the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Trinity Health of New England. Uh, locally, we know them as St. Francis Hospital Medical Center, Mount Sinai Rehabilitation Hospital, but also St. Mary's Hospital in Waterbury, uh, Johnson Memorial up in Stafford Springs, and Mercy Medical Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. So we're going to chat with him a little bit more about the 61-day challenge and what we could do to get ready for the holidays, get ourselves ready. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and we're entering this uh, final segment of the program uh, with my guest, uh, Dr. Saeed Hussein. Dr. Hussein is the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Trinity Health New England. Uh, before the break, we, we touched a little bit about on the program itself as it stands now. Uh, Say, do you have any, so did we make headway last year? And what I'm getting at is, I think with a program like this, as physicians, we love statistics. We love data. We love information that help us plan for the future and help us advise our patients. And this seems like the perfect program to really grab some information from this many people participating. So what did we learn from last year that you were able to apply to this year and going forward? So that's a great, that's a great question. So we did, well, we were very encouraged with the, uh, with the feedback we received and the engagement we had from the community and our own colleagues. And some of the things that we heard from them, we've translated that into some of our sessions, um, some of the emphasis on mindfulness, on uh, relieving stress, those are activities we've um, tailored based on the feedback we received. 
And I do want to mention to your listeners that we also have a very valuable partnership with Big Y this time that we didn't last year. And it's basically um, Big Y is offering grocery store tours with their expert nutritionists to educate participants on how to shop to maintain healthy eating habits. So that's important. And then we also have um, a relationship with our media partner, Fox 61, uh, as well. Uh, what about what's the average age of somebody participating in the program? And, and you don't have to be exact. I mean, you must have a feel for that as as we look at this. You know, it it, it ranges. It can be anywhere from I would say the mid twenties to all the way into the sixties. It, it encompasses a lot of different age groups. That's amazing, and, and it's interesting because. You know, obviously, typically people in their mid-20s are not as concerned about this as we are when we get older. And uh, I find it encouraging that you've been able to reach that population uh, to get them involved to some degree. Uh, the other thing is, I think, bringing Big Y in, uh, they, they do a great job uh, in terms of their registered dietitians and, and food preparation uh, that I think is key. And one of the things you've emphasized is that it's not a weight. This is not, you know, Weight Watchers. It, it's not not that those are bad things, but that's not the goal here. Uh, are you looking with this program to start looking at long-term outcomes from the participants in some way, shape, or form, say, 10 years down the road? Absolutely. We'd love to do that. And I know our community health and well-being team will be looking at all the data that we collect not only from last year, but also this year as well. Um, it would be great to hopefully scale this across Trinity because then you, um, you, you basically impact hundreds of thousands, millions of lives potentially across 22 states. But one other thing that I forgot to mention that we changed compared to last year was last year was more about no, no soda, no, you remember, no cigarettes, et cetera. Right. It was more of a no, no, no approach. Right. So this year, it's more positive. It's about, okay, we can still, you know, eat eat up, drink up, step up, but let's choose wisely and let's choose the healthier uh, things out there. Probably should have chosen no vaping this year, actually, when, when you come down <laughs> to it. But as as we look at this in terms of um, the, the long term, you mentioned your community care team, and that's a new term for me. What is that? Who's on this? in terms of the way you have that set up? So we have a community and the health community and um, health and well-being department. And basically that we partner with community organizations. And I'd love to talk more about this at a future session. Sure. But we have programs tailored, Dr. Alessi, in each of our markets. And by, we have three markets in the region. So Waterbury with St. Mary's Hospital. We have Mercy Medical Center in Springfield. And then we have St. Francis. Um, in the Hartford market, in addition to Johnson and Mount Sinai that also fall in the Hartford market. And com uh, based on what we've noticed, what the studies show for each community, what the challenges are, we have uh, programs tailored for them. So that might be, you know, what do we do when there's a food desert? Um, and how do we engage whatever organizations are out there? And these are amazing initiatives. And just to show you the seriousness, we actually track progress or barriers that come up with any of these initiatives on a weekly basis at our executive leadership team meeting. Uh, I find that to be the most interesting, and I definitely want to get you back on to discuss that. I, I guess my last question for you is, 
What's your goal here? What's your vision in terms of this program? It's it's a great program. You're going to build on it every year. But what would you like to, the outcome to be, say, 10 years from now or 20 years from now? So would love to be remembered uh, as Trinity Health of New England, promoting healthier uh, lifestyle, healthier living for our communities, and not just the treat and release in the hospitals but a more holistic approach. And that's where medicine, that's where healthcare is headed. So how do we ensure that our patients are safe in their own homes without necessarily having to come to the hospital, right? And that starts with basic things first, such as healthy eating habits, healthy lifestyle, and adopting those changes so that we can make incremental changes in our journey towards better health. You know, what came to mind as you were saying that is it's it's a journey to better health. It's also a journey towards better health economics. And and I want people to understand they all keep saying how expensive health care is. But when you have a program like the New England's 61-day challenge, you're not just promoting good health, but overall you're helping society and everyone else because as you avoid these illnesses, we cut the costs of healthcare as a country, and and I know that you're familiar with that as much as anyone. Absolutely, I can't agree more with you, Doctor Lessie. It's about how do we keep them healthy at home and keeping them out of the hospital, basically, and keeping our you know reining in our healthcare costs and and doing the basics, which you know we really haven't paid much attention to. Say so thank you, thank you for your time, and thank you to everybody at, at Trinity Health in New England for putting time and effort into this program. To, to really just help everyone. This is one of those true altruistic things. It doesn't cost you anything to sign up. You don't have to buy products. You don't have to do anything except listen and take advice from the experts. Um, thank you again, and have a great holiday. Thank you. You too. Uh, that was Dr. Saeed Hussein. And, and that's just, you know, it's one of the things, it's the main thing we preach on this program, and that is, Really, take control of your own health. Take control of your life in terms of how you want to manage your health, get good information where it is on this program, and have a primary care physician who you visit regularly. People are always coming up, should I do this, should I do that? You know, if you have a trusted physician, that's where you bring those questions. Should I get a flu shot? Shouldn't I... Is it safe to do this, that, or the other thing, supplements? Again, you have it at your disposal by having a primary care physician. I want to thank my guest today, Dr. Mark Alberts, who took a great deal of time with me and uh, for his great grand rounds on uh, intracerebral hemorrhage. Uh, and then, obviously, Dr. Hussein from Trinity Health New England. Many thanks to our studio producer. Mike Oko has been on the board for us today. Jeff Chandler is in charge of sales and marketing for Healthy Rounds. Next week on Healthy Rounds, we're going to be discussing, this is interesting, we're going to, my guest is going to be Dr. Lynn LeBlanc. Dr. LeBlanc is from Bloomfield Foot Specialist. She's a podiatrist. But what's interesting here is that she has a program, a charitable program, that provides footwear and foot care for the homeless. Huge problem. Uh, so this is next week. It's right before Christmas. So we're going to talk a little bit about how do we provide health care for those who are homeless, and especially foot care. We see those commercials all the time for Bombas, right? The most requested thing in shelters are socks. 
Um, it's also footwear to help keep people healthy who uh, may be down on their luck at this time. Uh, you can get us on the Healthy Rounds podcast by downloading it free at iTunes. Next up on WTIC is going to be Garden Talk with Len. Please remember today, especially in this holiday season, to help save lives. You can do that today by becoming an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Just go to registerme.org. What a great thing that would be to do for the holidays. Until next week, this is Dr. Anthony Alessi. Please stay healthy. This has been Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi. Sponsored by St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center, Ratchford Eye Center, MD Advantage, UConn Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and the Connecticut State Medical Society. Be sure to tune in next Saturday morning at 11 for more Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com.